Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a closer look at the new mayors in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Winter getaways are sounding pretty good right about now, and the Twins' caravan is getting ready to hit the road. But first, former Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith was sworn in as Minnesota's newest senator this week. I spoke with Smith about her priorities moving forward and what she hopes to accomplish for Minnesotans while in Washington. Well, I am. Uh, I have been really focused on getting ready to hit the job, uh, you know, hit the ground running, and I'm very excited to start the job. As you can imagine, there have been thousands of things that needed to get squared away. Anytime you start a new job, you have to do basic things like um, scan over your emergency contact information and uh, your telephone number so they know how to reach you if there's a snow emergency and. Uh, of course, I also had to find a place to live while I'm here in Washington, D.C. I came out to Washington a week or so ago and right before Christmas and did what can only be described as sort of a um, apartment speed dating and found a place to live in um, a couple of hours and have had some friends that have been here getting it set up for me. So it's been, uh, there's been, and then of course the major question of uh, the, you know, putting the staff that I would be working with here in Washington and in Minnesota. And I'm very happy that um, much of Senator Franken's excellent staff uh, that know Minnesota so well will be um, continuing to serve with me. So those are some of the things that needed to get worked out in pretty short order. Uh, What kind of assistance or help has the senior senator from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar, offered to you? You know, Senator Klobuchar has been so helpful to me in a whole range of ways, everything from advising me on um, how to uh, get to know my new colleagues in the Senate to what the dress code is on the Senate floor. She has been really incredible and um, has been a very um, wonderful resource for me, and I'm, I'm quite grateful for it. What sorts of things do you hope to prioritize during your time in the Senate? I, in this role, want to continue to be a fierce advocate for Minnesotans, um, especially around economic opportunity and fairness. As lieutenant governor, I worked hard on issues like tax fairness and lowering health care costs and early education, rural broadband, and I want to continue to push those issues forward here in Washington, D.C., as far as committee assignments and things like that, how is that determined? Do you do you fill in for Senator Franken on the committees that he served on, or does it not quite work that way? Well, it's a complicated uh, process that has to be resolved between the Senate majority and the Senate minority. Of course, I'm also joining the Senate at the same time that uh, Senator-elect Doug Jones from Alabama is, which um, adds another layer of kind of complexity. So the leadership is working that out right now, and I'm looking forward to finding out where it all lands. Uh, I'm very interested in, um, as I said, in issues around um, um, education and health care and uh, rural broadband and tax fairness. And I really hope that my committee assignments will allow me that will be places where I can put those interests um, to work for Minnesota. And tell me, did you, I mean, is this something you aspired to at some point in your life, or how does it feel to be at this point, at this, uh, in this kind of exalted place that you're in right now? You know, I think I'm kind of unusual around here in that I 
have not spent my entire career trying to figure out how to get elected to really anything, um, including to the Senate. And so, but yet my life experience seems, is, is sort of, I think, just right for this moment, whether it was the fact that I was a small business person and know what it's like to make payroll or the work that I did running uh, state government. All of those experiences I hope to bring to bear and I will bring to bear in Washington, D.C. It's not anything that I plan, but it does feel like something I'm ready for. For Minnesotans who maybe are less familiar with you, what would you say to them as a way of sorting introducing yourself to them? Well, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the issues that we all care about, and I know that that's important, but I think that I would want Minnesotans to know that I've been married for 33 years to my husband, Archie, and we have two children who've just gotten married in the last two years and live within a couple of miles of us. And the thing that I'm always most proud of when people say something about my work is that I'm a really good listener, and I think that's how I'm able to figure out how to find common ground when uh, people are just, frankly, doing a lot of fighting these days. And speaking of that, uh, it's maybe interesting, you probably saw the news yesterday, a former congresswoman from Minnesota, Michelle Bachman, is kind of considering perhaps a run for Senator Franken's uh, seat, which is now yours, which you have also said that you will run for. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on, on that and the potential competition for that seat. Well, next November, Minnesotans are going to decide for themselves who they want to be their United States senator, and I'm going to do everything I can to win their support. And I really don't have anything to say much about uh, Michelle Bachman. She will make her own decision about what she thinks is best for her, and um, we'll just stand by. What do you intend to have your first act as a senator be? Well, stay tuned on that. I am... uh, well, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. I'm right now just focused on trying to make sure I know where the office is and where the Senate floor is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to my guest, U.S. Senator Tina Smith. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. At the same time Tina Smith became a U.S. Senator replacing Al Franken, the president of the Minnesota Senate, Painesville Republican Michelle Fishbach became Lieutenant Governor as the state constitution requires, creating an interesting political situation to say the least, as MNN's Bill Werner is here to tell us about. Scott, the most obvious thing, of course, is that Fishbach is a Republican lieutenant governor paired up with Democratic Governor Mark Dayton. They disagree about many things, all the way from taxes to abortion, and it will be interesting to see how the two interact during Dayton's last 12 months in office. But what makes this situation really interesting is that Fishbach says she will continue serving in the state Senate even as she is lieutenant governor. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says... In Minnesota's history... We've had two men that uh, were able to do both. They were both the lieutenant governor and the president of the Senate at the same time. I don't see any reason why Michelle Fishbach can't do the same thing. Republicans readily admit they do not want to risk any possibility of losing a special election for Fishbach's Painesville seat, which could then give Democrats majority control of the Minnesota Senate. Democrats respond the state constitution is clear. A person cannot hold more than one office at the same time. If Senator Fishbach, on February 20th, I think if she believes she can gavel the Senate to order uh, as a member of the Senate, 
I have to believe there'll be a court challenge to that. Senate Democratic Minority Leader Tom Bach says if a court case continues into the 2018 session... If I'm right, and the courts say, no, you are no longer a member of the Senate when you became lieutenant governor, the courts would almost have to invalidate any votes that she took during that period. With Republicans' razor-thin margin in the Senate, that could unravel legislation. Even though she is lieutenant governor, Fishbach said this week she will not accept the salary as she continues representing her district in the Senate. Fishbach indicated earlier if she's forced out of the Minnesota Senate, she'll run for her old seat in a special election, and if she wins, resign as lieutenant governor. Also this week, new mayors took over in Minnesota's two largest cities. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry sworn in Tuesday in a private ceremony, public inaugural set for Monday. This is my dream job, uh, and I want to make sure that I do it exceedingly well. Uh, so we're going to be working like dogs over the next four years here to make sure that uh, we do what government was made for, which is to quite simply help people. Fry says his priorities for the City of Lakes include affordable housing, community police relations, and economic growth. Across the river. So help me God. Congratulations. Melvin Carter sworn in as the first African-American mayor of the city of St. Paul. St. Paul is a city with momentum. But we are also a city of deep inequity. And I live that too. I know firsthand. I know firsthand how it feels to live on a block devastated by foreclosures, to long for a teacher who looks like my child and to be stopped by police over and over again. We have work to do to fulfill St. Paul's promise for every person in every part of our city. That work will center around three pillars, public safety, education, and economic justice. In a packed gymnasium at his alma mater, St. Paul Central High, Carter went on to question some portions of the Star-Spangled Banner. We cannot ignore the painful reminder written into our anthem's third verse of just how in deeply injustice is rooted in the American tradition. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Our national anthem, our national freedom song is an ode to slavery. This, this, this is the American paradox passed from generation to generation dating back to the noble group of rich, white, straight, male landowners who embedded into our founding principles a yearning for a set of God-given rights they sought to secure for only themselves. Over the last year, many politicians have declined to answer when America was great. Here's my answer. We prove our greatness again and again with every generation that redeems the value of those powerful words that launched our democracy. We the people 
by fighting to ensure that we means all of us. We asked the first African-American mayor of Minneapolis, Sharon Sales Belton, about Carter's comments. About the national anthem. Yes. A lot of folks kind of went, hold one a second here. Do you, do you think he went too far on that? No, I don't think he went too far. The uh, words, you know, are a part of the national anthem, and I think a lot of people don't know that. They skip over uh, that, uh, that portion. It's not uh, repeated, you know, in the song, but it's, you know, it's at the core of the national anthem. I think Melvin message in sharing that with us is just to say that let's really think about uh, you know the you know the origins you know of our democracy. Former Minneapolis Mayor Sharon Sales Belton and Scott with new blood in the mayor's office on both sides of the Mississippi River it should be an interesting next few years in St. Paul and Minneapolis. You said it Bill thanks for that report more Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The recent Arctic blast has many of us wanting to book a winter getaway. MNN's Tasha Radel says it's not too late and the deals are there. That's right, Scott. It's not too late to book that winter vacation. And I don't know about you, but I sure wish I had one booked. Well, again, it's not too late. You can still plan that winter getaway. Nicole Winter is owner and travel planner at Destination Vacation in central Minnesota. She says, believe it or not, many Minnesotans began booking their winter getaways last summer. Well, I've actually been seeing folks um, start booking already back in August. Um, so it's very common for them. Our pricing comes out in June. Um, so in August, we start booking for spring break for January, February, March. That's really high season of when the Minnesotans want to get out of here, right? Uh, so I have been seeing booking since then. However, we're in a big deep freeze right now. We have been for about a week. So it makes a lot more traffic and people going, you know what, I might not make it through the winter. It's some of those people that were hemming and hawing or on the, on the fence of deciding and things like that. So it's been really consistent since August. Um, a lot of people ask me, is there a good time to book or a bad time? And I always say it's all good, really. Are the all-inclusive packages still popular? Yeah, all-inclusives are a really big thing. I am finding a few more people actually wanting to travel non-all-inclusive. It's maybe your more seasoned traveler. So new travelers definitely want to have all-inclusive. They want to know that they're taken care of and they want to know what to expect. And then there's no guessing or figuring things out when they're in destination. So, however, I have some clients um, that are very seasoned. So we're, we are looking at new destinations, maybe where they don't have all-inclusive or they have that option of going non-all-inclusive. So I'm actually seeing a trend of getting away from all-inclusive, but not at a high percentage, if that makes sense. I would say um, one of the destinations that are most popular this winter would be the Dominican Republic. And I actually just returned from there two weeks ago and revisited it since it's been a few years since I've been there, and I like to repeat places and keep learning. It's very up-and-coming. They're building beautiful resorts. It's really good for a couple wanting a romantic getaway or families. There's some great family resorts, and we have nonstop flights with Delta and some country. It's a great value. The beaches are amazing. <laughs> They're, it's that teal water and white sand that people like. So I'm noticing the trend is leaning towards 
um, the Dominican Republic, but for my clients that are families, they also love Puerto Verde. Um, they love that ocean water for their kids there. The waves aren't too crazy, but they're fun to play in. But then the couples that are looking for something romantic, they're looking for some different places. We've been, we look a lot at St. Lucia and Barbados and Granada and just some, some new and upcoming islands. And for those wanting to stay closer to home? For Minnesotans, they love Florida. It's very popular or trendy, so to say. It's more affordable for them to get there, and it's going to be warmer. Now, I always warn them that January, February, sometimes March, if you think you're going to go in the ocean, it might be a little bit cooler, (laughs) or maybe for my style, right? Um, So you want to kind of pay attention to the weather and layer and be prepared. Um, You know, but Southern Cali, Arizona is a great value, and there's a lot to do there. Some people steer away from that because they want to take their kids to the ocean. For somebody that maybe isn't a seasoned traveler, they've maybe this will be their first vacation and they're not really sure how to do things, any advice for them, for them on, on where to start this process and maybe how to find that best deal or that great destination? Yeah, well, I say don't do it on your own, you know, especially if you haven't traveled a lot. Um, you don't have experience. Maybe you have knowledge from researching online, but you don't want to do it on your own. And I always say that, When you go online, all the pictures are perfect and everything else like that, but you want to kind of know the nitty-gritty and you want to know, like, the small details because that's what makes a difference. So, number one, don't do it on your your own. Get a referral. Find out an experienced travel agent. Maybe that's been to those destinations. And then, number two, really think about, you know, when you think of that vacation, I mean, it starts with, I want to get out of here. Or I want, I want to go on a tropical trip, right? That's kind of the common 90% of the travelers are doing this time of the year, right? That's why I go towards the tropical trip. So I, I know we want to go take our kids to the beach for the first time, or maybe that couple want to celebrate their anniversary. What do you want to do? Do you want to go and do nothing and just enjoy some cocktails on the beach and sleep in and, and enjoy some music and, and good food? Or do you want to be active? So you really want to think about your days. I would suggest thinking about your days and how you enjoy them more than that actual destination. Um, there's so many great destinations within Mexico and the Caribbean for those tropical getaways and even Hawaii, but are they going to offer what you want to do? If you're a total hiking enthusiast, you might want to go to Hawaii. If you just want to lay on the beach, maybe you want to go to the best value, but a resort that has really good food and really good service and good beverages because you're just going to be there the whole time. Or do you want to get out and be adventurous. Maybe you want to go ziplining. Well, then maybe it's Puerto Verde or Costa Rica. So I say imagine your days and how you're going to enjoy them and what you want to experience, what you want to do or what you don't want to do, right? It's vacation. And then pick out your resort and destination from what you want to enjoy. So again, if you're reaching out and not doing it alone, that's all you really need to know because the right travel agent will ask the right questions and give you the right options that'll work for you and if your family's going along for your family too. Thanks again to my guest, Nicole Winter, owner of Destination Vacation. For more information, you can head to her website at NicoleWinter.com. That's Nicole, N-I-C-H-O-L-E, Winter.com. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The 58th annual Twins Winter Caravan begins later this month as current and former Twins players, broadcasters, front office personnel, and others will visit more than 40 communities in four states over the course of 10 days. The event begins on January 15th and concludes on January 25th. Minnesota News Network Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provost, to talk about the 2018 Twins Winter Caravan on Minnesota Matters. Well, Corey Provis, I know you're always looking forward to the Twins Caravan, and you know your trek now. How excited are you to get out and interact again with Twins fans? Well, Mike, always great to chat with you, and it really is uh, one of my favorite events of the year, and it's it's so unique to go out as far as we do to truly interact with fans who, who we ask to make a long drive into the Twin Cities throughout the summer. This is the one time of year that we come to them. We come to your backyard. We come to your neighborhood, your school, your church, uh, you name it, to, to kind of talk Twins baseball. And uh, I'm going out this year with Robbie Grossman and uh, Jorge Polanco, and then soon-to-be Hall of Famer Jack Morris is going to join us as well for our final stop uh, on Thursday night at Treasure Island. So th- this is a, it's a great time of year, and um, I'm pretty pumped to do it again. Now, this will be in your time here, your first time you've been able to get out and talk with people coming off of a playoff season, so that has to make you excited, too. I always tell people that John Gordon knew what he was doing. He got out at the right time with the uh, with the lumps the Twins have had to kind of take in here. But uh, th- this, is, uh, this should be an exciting time because I think the narrative has changed, that there is some positivity, there is this, this youthful lineup, especially that th- this is going to be a good – offensive team and I think that's where they're going to have to kind of make hay again is rely on their offense rely on their defense the pitching is still up in the air you're going to see some guys back I'm still expecting some some roster maneuvering here before uh, camp opens up uh, in February but uh, but there's a lot to like about the, the the makeup of this team offensively and the young core that really sparks it yeah, and uh, the the front office has made some moves already. One of them with Michael Pineda, probably you won't see dividends for a while yet. But the other with Fernando Rodney, uh, probably the closer, right? Yeah, and you know, I think I think that's where they're going to go. Uh, he's he's forty one years old, but he has a wealth of experience. And you know, in September, and this certainly came up in the playoff game at Yankee Stadium. If you compare the bullpens that the Twins were were facing, they were facing a lot of guys who had done this before. Whereas the Twins were throwing out guys like Alan Buznitz and Trevor Hildenberger and Matt Belisle's experience, but Matt Belisle's not a closer. And he was kind of thrusted into that role after the trade of, of Brandon Kinsler. Well, now they have a pretty good idea who the ninth inning guy is going to be. Now, they still need some strikeouts. They still need to have some arms in that bullpen that provide some power, can miss some bats. So I know that's been an emphasis uh, for Derek and Thad and company to try to improve that bullpen, and hopefully they're not done. What's your impression now a year into the new regime? with the front office smart really really smart and I you know we we kind of discussed this a lot towards the end of last season that how much credit do Derek and Thad should they get based on the team's results and I think they deserve some of it now I think the game plans and how they prepared uh, Paul and his staff to, to face opposing hitters and, and where to play guys defensively I think Derek and Thad had a big had a big influence on that now Terry Ryan and his team also, they deserve a lot of credit. It was Terry's team that drafted guys like Sano and Kepler, Rosario, and, and uh, you know, obviously Buxton was the second overall pick. But this core was, was drafted and, and coached well 
throughout the minor league system by Terry Ryan and his team. So I, I think that to say that Derek and Thad don't deserve any credit, that this is all because of Terry and, and his team, I, I think that's inaccurate. So I give Derek and Thad a lot of credit, and those two guys are just getting started. Um, you'll be on a trek in this back to the caravan for a moment. You'll be on the trek uh, making some stops. I know last year you went way up north. This year you get the southern trek, huh? And, and I was lucky too, Mike. Last year, yeah, we went up to International Falls, and we had great weather. I mean, that could be one of the coldest places in the country. Yeah, we were there. It was maybe in the 20s and 30s. It wasn't all that bad. We got outside. We had some cool events. We went up to this uh, event, International Falls, and uh, part of this uh, great competition. We were tossing toilet seats. We were rolling frozen turkeys. I mean, we had a great time uh, with Jack Morris and the mayor of International Falls and uh, Hector Santiago. We rode snowmobiles. We had a blast. Now, this time, we're going to start uh, in Mankato on January 15th, and we're partaking in, a, in an ice fishing tournament. And Dan Gladden, my colleague and broadcast partner, he's going out on, on a different leg but the same week. And so our caravans are meeting for this ice fishing tournament. So Provis Gladden on the frozen pond to try to get all the, the fish one can kind of haul in. That's going to be what we're going to be fighting for on January 15th. Right, and you even get to snake down into Iowa. Yeah, we're going to finish up in Iowa, and I was there uh, a few years ago. I went down with Ken Herbeck, and uh, we had a great time. But, yeah, we're going to be down in, in Iowa as we kind of work the week. We'll be in Iowa Falls and Mason City, and then we uh, finish up back in Minnesota on Thursday, January 18th. Yeah, sounds great. It is really a, a unique event um, in terms of, what, 50 or so towns in five different states. And it won't just be you, your other uh, colleagues in the broadcast booth and other twins and former twins uh, uh, really make it uh, – cast a wide uh, blanket, so to speak. I think unique is the right word because other teams and, and different teams and sports, they all do some kind of off-season event, but I have not found a team that does something as expansive as the Twins do in the outreach and, and reaching, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, Northern Minnesota, into Iowa, into Wisconsin. This is a commitment that the team has done uh, since day one, since 1961. So it's a special event, and uh, we all look forward to it every year. All right, enjoy it. Thank you. Hi, Mike. Anytime. That's Corey Provis and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. Thank you.